Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from the District Sports Page on the line. As the Nationals find a way to disappoint us once again, drop a 4-1 decision to the Orioles. And again, the Orioles were trying their best to give away, Dave. They came into the game, the Orioles with the fewest errors in the majors. I think there's 65 or 68, just a few more than Ian Desmond in the year. The highest fielding percentage in the game in the majors so far this year, but they made four errors tonight. They're trying their best to give it away, but the Nats politely declined to take advantage. While meanwhile in New York, the Mets dropped a 6-2 decision to the Braves, another missed opportunity for the Nats in D.C. and in the standings. Yeah, you know that phrase, you can't win them all. I mean, that's particularly biting at this time of year because the Nats literally have to win the ball. Um, and they just simply can't do it. Uh, they've played relatively well since uh, um, since the, the walking wound got back into the lineup and actually got their spring training uh, stuff out of the way. Um, but the, the bottom line is you simply can't win every game. This was a game that was right for the taking, as you mentioned, with the errors and whatnot. Um, but the Nets just couldn't make any contact tonight. I mean, they had a grand total of three hits. I think one of them left the infield. Um, Gio Gonzalez didn't pitch particularly well. The bullpen finally did their job, but um, this was just a case of one of those days where uh, the Nats weren't going to win a game regardless of, of, of what they did. This was just a loss. Uh, there's another old saying that, that says you win 60, you lose 60, and that's what you do in the other 60, But uh, or whatever, the, however the math works out. This was just one of those ones that was going to be a loss, and um, and every loss uh, is particularly painful at this time of year, figuring the Nats are now six or seven games back with 12 games, 12 games to play. Poking fun at Ian Desmond, who I've liked throughout his career, but he made his 27th error today. Uh, Ian the first, it was a throw. Clint Robinson probably should have had it. I think another first baseman probably would have caught it, but an error nonetheless didn't cause any damage overall. He got picked off in the second after a leadoff walk. Uh, could possibly blame that on uh, the Nationals trying to bunt and him getting caught off the base, but once again, just a rough season for Ian Desmond overall. And one for three today, a walk uh, down to has a two thirty two average on the year. There was a point at one point, maybe last year, early this season, when I was worried about Ian Desmond leaving, thought that maybe we'd miss him. But I think I've transitioned pretty clearly into the when does Trey Turner start playing every day era. Well, yeah, and you know, you know, we were having this conversation about Ian, Ian Desmond. We've had it all season long, really. Um, but we got to we got to the All Star break and he was hitting 189 or whatever, so um, 232. When you said that, I look up and I'm like, hey, so that seems kind of remarkable to me. But um, but yeah, Desmond has, Desmond has not had a great season offensively or defensively. Um, whether it's the whether it, uh, he was in his own head about playing for a big contract or or simply the idea that um, a free swinging moderate power guy. Um, generally starts to tail off, you know, 29, 30, 31 years old, and this just could be the start of the decline. I mean, 
Uh, I think Desmond's going to get paid during the offseason either way. The last three or four years is enough of a track record for someone, cough Yankees, um, to offer him a, a bazillion dollars. Um, I, you know, he's still going to get paid, but but he has not he has not earned it on his performance this year. Uh, to go back to the point about about the defense, uh, that really has been um, the dirty little secret about the Nationals this year is that they've been terrible defensively. Uh, you can't just blame Ian Desmond. Uh, you mentioned uh, um, Clint Robinson there uh, on defense. I mean, this guy's been a pretty good story about the way he's been able to contribute with the bat, but. Um, you know, not a good defender. Um, you know, Denard Span has missed most of the season. Michael Taylor has been uh, spectacular at times, and, and, and at times he's looked like a rookie. Um, you know, Jason Worth um, just cannot field this position in left field anymore. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman has been decent around the bag, but his limited mobility, I mean, we go on and on and on and on. I mean, this team doesn't field very well. Um, the bullpen's been been crummy. Uh, they only hit. Um, uh, they've only hidden in spurts uh, due to a lot of the injuries, and the starting pitching hasn't been great. So I mean, that's a, a pretty solid recipe to end up going barely over 500 for the season. And I think that's not where the Nats are going to settle. They say you are what your record says you are, and I think that's pretty much right for the Nats this year. It's a dirty little secret, as you mentioned, but it clearly didn't escape Mike Rizzo's uh, notice. He and it will be network 80 radio interview this weekend. He said, we couldn't get anything going offensively this year. Couldn't get any consistency this year, any rhythm in our lineup. And defensively, we played very poorly defensively. And I think that affected our pitching and our bullpen. And let me just pull up another quote here while I'm at it, because we're talking about Jason Worth, Tom Boswell, uh, the Washington Post veteran columnist in a, co- in a chat with readers today. He said, Jason Worth has to get better in, the, in uh, left field in case, because in case he doesn't know it, he is now worse at getting jumps, angles, and tracking the ball in left field than Frank Howard, who at least lumbered in the correct direction and caught it without staggering all over the place when he got out there. And I think he recommended that with the money Jason Worth making, he could go to the AFL and just stand out in the outfield before every game and shag flies out there to get a better feel of it. But Jason Worth just not good defensively right now. It should be age. I think at times a lot of people mischaracterize uh, his uh, laconic, laxonic, whatever you want to call it, approach to the game as not trying out there. But I think he's a little bit older. The legs aren't there anymore. Offensively, at least, he had a 29-game on base streak going into tonight, 298, 403, 588 with nine doubles and eight home runs over that stretch. But he's becoming a liability defensively out there. Uh, Tom Boswell noticed it. We noticed it last year. We've mentioned it all this year. And there's no hiding him in the National League. So the Nationals are going to have to figure out something with him going forward. Yeah, you know, I've been as hard on Jason Worth as anyone this season. And, um, you know, I really think that's unfair of Boswell to, to even insinuate that it's a desire thing for Worth. I mean, Worth is simply old. Um, and not only is he just simply old, he's old and often injured. I mean, there's, there is a thing, there's a measurable thing called uh, accumulation of injury. And Jason Worth is the poster child for that theory at this point. I mean, the guy the, the guy gets hurt. He continually gets hurt. Um, and, and once you get hurt, once you get on that freight train of hurt, uh, it happens over and over and over. And Ryan Zimmerman is following that exact same path right now. Um, to say that, that, that Jason Worth is a bad outfielder because he doesn't want to be or that he's a bad left fielder because he doesn't want to be is simply wrong. Jason Worth is old and injured and can't get around anymore. Um, the Nats are going to have to watch his rotting hulk uh, do this for the next two years because he's still under contract. They don't have any other option. It's not like it's not like they are going to be able to trade Jason Worth um, 
to another team uh, unless somebody really wants him as, as a designated hitter. And I suppose that's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, but uh, outside of that, the Nats are going to have to sit and watch Jason Worth play left field uh, for the next year or or so, um, and they don't have any other options. I mean, just there's nothing to do about it. Just going down the list of things that frustrated me here tonight, I guess it's going to be that sort of show, but Doug Fister comes on with two scoreless 4Ks, really nice outing from him I have here in my notes. Oh, now you figure things out, Doug. One of the many disappointments this season, but even an average season in the rotation for Fister, and it's a different story for the Nationals. 16 wins last season, 14 in 2013. He has five this season. Of course, he ended up in the bullpen for a long stretch at this point, but even an average season from Doug Fister, and we're talking about a completely different race in the NL East, in my opinion. Well, I mean, that's that's possible, I suppose. I mean, today's today's outing wasn't Doug Fister. I mean, Doug Fister, even in his prime, didn't strike out two batters an inning. So uh, this is, uh, <laughs> for me, for me anyway, this is simply a case of a team that didn't match up with whatever Fister was throwing tonight. I mean, Fister, uh, at this point in his in his career and his season, hasn't real hasn't become uh, Roger Clemens, uh, and I make that joke seemingly on purpose here. Um, this was. Of a, of a bad matchup. Um, it, it was inevitable to think that, that, that Doug Fister, um, you know, would have had a crummy season. I mean, that, that, that's silly thinking. But um, Doug Fister is a guy that's always outperformed uh, his peripheral statistics. Um, this just wasn't his year, whether or not um, he was suffering, um, you know, for, from injury or, or you know, throwing, throwing 100 pitches a, a game for five years. Uh, finally caught up with him, or whatever the, the the situation was, he just wasn't particularly good. Again, in a walk year, it seems like um, all of the Nats that, that they decided not to uh, resign um, and allowed to enter their walk year all had crummy years. I mean, Jordan Zimmerman nowhere near as good as he was the last two seasons. Uh, Denard Span hurt most of the year. Uh, Ian Desmond, we mentioned his troubles, and Doug Pfister. None of the four of them uh, performed anywhere near. Uh, their normal major league averages, and, and it's just funny that um, you look at the different personalities uh, of those four players, and all four of them struggled in their walk year. It makes you wonder. Um, it makes you wonder just how much uh, the pressure of being in a walk year for a player affects even different personalities, not even person, not even the same type of personality. We'll go with a positive note for our next one here. It's- so it's probably going to end up being half positive by the time I'm done with the next few sentences. But Bryce Harper, three walks total tonight. Walk number two breaks a franchise record for walks in a season with 117. I assume you've seen who uh, he passed for that one at this point before I finish my point here. Uh, yeah, he broke Adam Dunn's record for walks, right? Yes, just checking. But is that a sign that it's while it's a sign of Bryce Harper's patience at the plate and just taking what the Nationals are uh, opposing pitchers are giving him, it's also a sign that no one's really afraid of who's hitting behind him in the Nationals lineup, that they're willing to walk him all this time. I, I don't know that it was necessarily the case tonight that they were avoiding him, but he took the three walks, uh, 118 total on the season, which is kind of ridiculous. His OBP is up in the 460 range last time I checked, but just absolutely ridiculous, leading the majors in on-base percentage and just a monster season continues for Harper. Right, and it's a combination of all those factors. It's a combination of Harper maturing as a hitter. It's a combination of um, the batting order uh, behind Harper really all season long um, and, and the way that the, the teams are pitching. I mean, they simply don't want to allow Harper to beat them um, with good cause. I mean, he is having a season this year that we have not seen from a major league player 
since Barry Bonds in 2004, and that's not even an overstatement. Uh, you look at his numbers, and if the season were to end a day with his uh, average on-base percentage and slugging percentage, um, those three levels haven't been reached by a single player um, in a season. Um, I think I think it's happened twice before in Major League history by, by guys like um, you know uh, uh, Barry Bonds and, and, and Babe Ruth. I mean, this is just um, a ridiculous. Uh, uh, season that Bryce, Bryce Harper's had this year, um, maturing as a player, maturing as a person, um, and and it, it's just it's been tremendously fun to watch, uh, regardless of how the team is doing. Um, it's just absolutely silly that anybody else would be mentioned in the same breath as him um, in any type of MVP balloting, and, and I'm hopeful that the baseball writers um, uh, show that in their in their voting. Um, you know, there's going to be some crank that, that that's going to vote somebody else for first, for first place, but. <laughs> Uh, it really, um, we really shouldn't. I mean, if, if there's any been a time, ever been a time uh, for a unanimous MVP vote, it, it should be for Bryce Harper this year. Excuse me for laughing at you. So the word crank, but that's what it'll take to get someone to not vote for Bryce Harper for the MVP at this point. But we'll see. Somebody will do it. You know it's going to happen. Some idiot will leave him off the ballot as well, I'm sure, just to make a point that Bryce Harper's a jerk or something. But... Hopefully no one does that and embarrasses himself this year. Uh, just pulling out another quote from Mike Rizzo here. I guess I'll just avoid talking about Gio Gonzalez because I don't want to make everyone angry with my thoughts on Gio coming up bad in this one. But Mike Rizzo talking about Matt Williams' future, the future of the Nationals. We've got a lot of decisions to make this off season. We lose several free agents if we don't resign them, which I think is the foregone conclusion at this point, not to slip my own editorializing in between here. But, We've got a lot of roster manipulations that we're going to have to do to improve our club, and that's certainly one of the main questions that we're going to have early in the off season is what we're going to do with management. So it's apparently still an open question with the Nationals. Mike Rizzo is not exactly a, ring, a ringing endorsement for Matt Williams' future right there, but I don't think that's the biggest need for the Nationals and the biggest thing they need to figure out. I think there are some other ones, but just your thoughts on what the biggest offseason need is at this point. Well, if, this is fascinating to me because for a team that was the odds-on and prohibitive favorite uh, for the to win the World Series, uh, this is going to be a radically different team next year than it was this year. Um, all four of those free agents are going to walk. I mean, they traded Tyler Clipper before the season even started. Um, you know, we could see we could see brand new starters in 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 more than half of the the, the opening day lineup. I mean, you know, you're going to have Michael Taylor in center field. You're going to have um, possibly a new third baseman, possibly a new shortstop, possibly a new second baseman. Um, you know, the, I don't think the Nats are, are happy with their production and catcher, either offensively or defensively. We could have a new catcher. We could ha- we could see um, two new rotation members. We're, we're going to have a new closer. Um, we could have three or four new members in the bullpen. I mean, this could be a radically different team than it was at the, at the, going into this year's you know, best lineup, best case lineup before all the injuries. So, uh, you know, we could see a new field manager. We could see a new, a completely new, if the field manager gets fired, we could see a completely new staff. I mean, this is just absolutely fascinating, the uh, the roster and, and overall organizational turnover we could see from a team that was the prohibitive World Series favorite this season. And, and just um, – that's what that's what having a, a year uh, a year that was just derailed by catastrophic injury and and failure to live up to expectations once everybody was in the lineup again, um, you know that's what that type of disappointment will do for you. Um, I don't think the ownership is going to stand for um, for having a barely 500 record due to the to the payroll. 
um, or, or the expectation. So yeah, I think there's going to be an awful lot of turnaround. I think there's going to a lot of be going to be a lot of people, a lot of the local people, uh, shocked at just how different this team is going to be next year than it was this year. Yeah, I'm going into the season with Ryan Zimmerman unable to stay healthy again this year, Jason Worth unable to stay healthy, but essentially Michael Taylor, a rookie, you know, he's played this most of the season. He won't qualify as a rookie, but still kind of unproven center fielder is maybe a better word. Uh, Trey Turner, who's done extremely well in the minor leagues, but hasn't proven anything at the major league level yet, is going to be in short at short at some point this season. You know, Escobar, like you mentioned, going to most likely move over to second based on what they said the other day about wanting to put Anthony Rendon back at third. So you're talking either you know Escobar or Danny Espinosa at second base right now, barring any different moves. And I don't think they're going to be on everyone's list as a World Series favorite going into next season, but they've got to finish this one out first. 78 and 72 on a year after the four. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, yeah, I completely agree with you that, that that there are a lot of changes in store, and, and um, it, it's not going to be the same team. And, and um, you know, I assume that Rizzo is going to survive the carnage this year, but next year really is going to make um, go a long way into in to telling whether Mike Rizzo is going to be the, um, the, the general manager and president of this team ad infinitum. Um, I really think it's going to be a make-or-break year for him next year. And having watched what this team was when he inherited it and seeing what they are now, where they can lose all the players they are and still field what is going to be a competitive team, if nothing else, next year, I hope they don't make a rash decision and foolishly get rid of him because I think he's made a huge impact on this organization. And I'm an unabashed Mike Rizzo fan, so I'll stick up for him no matter what anyone says. With the kind of trades he's pulled off and the farm system he's built, I think it would be a huge mistake to start over with anyone else at this point. And hopefully the learners understand that as well. But 78 and 72 after the loss, four to one Orioles tonight. Two more with the O's in the next two days. Matt's nightly sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. Good to talk to you again, sir. Hopefully talk to you tomorrow. That's good. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.